0: Well, Steve, it's been, uh, it's been quite the week in golf, hasn't it? Lots of stuff has been happening in my little life. Has it really? Wise. Well, I haven't actually played any golf, but I, seem, I, I feel like I've been in and around the place.
1: <laughs> I haven't been anywhere near a golf course, but...
0: No, I don't really know where to start. I mean, last week we were at Woodall for our, the balls test, weren't we? And we spoke to uh, James Luke. England Golf's Head of Handicapping. You've broken the internet with a podcast and a piece uh, off the back of that.
1: Good times, isn't it?
0: Why have you gone so coy? <laughs> Basically, you've delivered the seminal work on WHS. And you're not, even, you're not even telling us about it. So Steve has written a piece for National Club Golfer uh, off the back of our last week's podcast with James Leake, who's the Head of Handicapping at England Golf. Uh, and it is, really is good stuff, like it answers loads of questions um, that we've all been asking uh, about the whys and the wherefores of WHS, everything from PCC to course rating uh, to the sort of domin- dominating high handicappers in competitions. Um, if you want to win arguments in a bar, I suggest you give it a listen or a read because you'll have the facts at your disposal.
1: Well, I don't know, people are trying to dispute those facts this morning. People are sick of facts, aren't they? Do you remember when Gove said that? We don't like experts. We're tired of experts. I think that so. I mean, the the story Tom's largely talking about here is um, one about how, uh, whether high handicappers dominate competitions or not. And obviously I'd been to, um, obviously we saw Lock James, last week. I'd also been to um, a handicap committee meeting, a, re, a, a WHS England golf um, workshop that's the correct way to put it it's early in the morning um i went to a workshop where this question obviously gets asked and england golf produced a very interesting graph showing the national picture which you can actually see on our website we've recreated the graph which shows the um breakdown in percentages of um by average handicap index range i think i've said that correctly um so you can actually see how much of the population golfing population in this country in england um is broken down by handicap and i'm not going to give away some of those results here because then you wouldn't look at the piece um but they're interesting they're yeah, interesting really
0: good stuff and he's a really nice guy and it was fair enough for them to do it because he's new in post and got hacked from like basically the jerry jeremy paxman of the golf world didn't he perhaps not um, so that was one thing that I've been doing. That was good. And then I also had a committee meeting yesterday at Old Woodley. That was exciting.
1: Uh, that's it not usually, food. Tom, the word I would use <laughs> for for a meeting of golf club. Exciting. It was
0: lovely. Do you know what? It was uh, it was everything you'd expect from a committee meeting and more. We met in the Mackenzie room, which is kind of this sort of inner sanctum, like the, the sort of in the vestibule at the, at the golf club. Um, and it was kind of an early spring day yesterday, wasn't it? It was a bit, bit of a chill in the air. So there was like a, there was a real fire roaring. We all sat around with our cups of coffee. It was lovely. Anyway, it gave me some food for thought for um for this podcast over the next couple of weeks. Um, One of the things I'm really keen to talk about next week is uh, Augusta syndrome at golf clubs. Uh, it's not new news, is it? But it's definitely a thing. Um, so this time next week we will be... Uh, 24 hours away from the start of the masters and then we'll all turn up to play golf on saturday expecting our clubs our golf courses to be pristine and green and they won't be um, because it's still very early spring Um my club particularly is kind of uh quite high up so we don't get much growth early season i think it's all the better for it personally but um i think that we sh- we ought to get stuck into that topic um a lo- alongside the, the masters um I think we'd be keen to hear for some greenkeepers, wouldn't we? We're, we're looking for a a guest to have on that. Um, ideally, we'd be speaking to um, a greenkeeper from maybe a part golf course. So if any listeners have got any recommendations about particularly loquacious or um, open, should we say, chatty greenkeepers, we'd, we'd be uh, all ears for recommendations. Um, and the other thing I think I want to talk about as a result of yesterday is the kind of circular conversation about food and beverage at golf clubs and how how different clubs deal with that. So, I'd also be interested in in listeners' views on on how their own clubs deal with F and B, because it's quite a, a quite a thorny topic. Uh, and i tell you what else i did i watched the match play
1: did you can i make a confession um for what? It, this is this is a scandal uh, as a golf writer um i did not see a single hole of the match play not one that is that is ridiculous particularly as i love match play as well and i really wanted to kind of support it this week too because obviously there's the idea that the whole thing might be dumped off the schedule and I do think that um, you do need a good match play event. So I could have like boosted the audience figures by one and failed to do so. <laughs> well,
0: it's a pretty funny thing, isn't it? I mean, it's like quite a club golfy thing because we all play tons of match play. Um, I think we've already talked about our uh, our respective club knockouts. I'm in like four at least this, this summer. And that'll probably be the bulk of my golf. Uh, I mean, I might only play four rounds, but the match play is sort of, part of club culture isn't it um so it is a pretty cool thing to watch the pros um, have a go at it um, in a sort of singles format my mate who's a kind of infrequent golfer sort of sports fan texts me and says why why is there no uh why is there no match play next year it's really good and i said well bit of tall turmoil they can't quite get the format right and they always end up with some no marks in the final and he said well not this year and i said i think you spoke too soon and then he immediately said yeah i won't be watching now
1: Um, someone had a very good idea on twitter which which is that you should uh, because obviously part of the problem with the match plays it's all great when there's lots of players it's not quite so great when there's basically two matches going on the golf course and one of the ideas that uh, i saw someone have was um, why not combine it with an lpga match play event and have men and women playing match play at the same time
0: are you mad men and women playing golf at the same time where will that end
1: You'd have to obviously get everyone in, but it could definitely be done, couldn't it? You've only got 64 playing. You'd have 64 playing in each. That's still less than a full field, isn't it? Although they're going off in yeah. twos, aren't they? Um, yeah. So there might be there might be some slight scheduling it, difficulties, but nothing that couldn't be overcome. They could just reduce the field size. you right. Or they, they could have it in England it, in July
0: or August. August. I think it, I think it sort of peaks on Saturday on final day. I think that's the right might of golf, isn't it? Yeah um it, it was a cool thing golf course is pretty funky isn't it but it does look, kind of lend itself to that that kind of event Um also did some shoe reviews that was pretty cool went out and played a few holes at old woodley and some new shoes got some new wheels as a result have you done any
1: shoe reviews uh, you've had me doing nothing but reviews the to deadline. <laughs> for the past week. Yes, my shoe reviews, Tom are done. As are my ball reviews. Um, yeah, so I've got some new, new shoes. I've um I finally uh discovered the um delights of boa. Really? I feel like this this is like honestly, this is like when I first sat in an automatic car and I thought oh, I'm never ever gonna drive a geared car again. And um putting boa on was exactly the same experience to me. I was like, Where have you been all my life? How have I not noticed you before? I'm never, ever going to wear laces ever again.
0: See, I've sort of gone the other way because I tested a few of these kind of new fangled on course, off course, trainery type things. Uh, And then I tested some more traditional golf shoes. And I have to say, I'm not sure if it's an age thing, but to me, a golf shoe is a golf shoe. I've got a line on it, which is like, it's not like you're looking for an on pitch, off pitch football boot, is it? You put your football boots on to play football, and then you change into your trainers. So, I don't think golf shoes are any different, really. Mm.
1: No comment. Well, I, I wear Astro shoes for football, um, oh, okay. so you can do you, you can theoretically do both. That's a spanner in the analogy. <laughs> uh, my other
0: my other uh, my other touch point with golf uh, since we last spoke is that um, I had the kids on my own this weekend, so it's basically back to back sport. I feel like I basically did a dissertation on kids' sport. So I had under eights football on Saturday morning. I had under sevens football on Saturday morning. I took them to the rugby league, uh, Leeds Rhinos on Saturday afternoon, which was absolutely amazing. Then we went for kickabout in the park. And Sunday morning we had more football matches and rugby training. And then they went for a shower at the golf club uh, and had some lunch at the golf club, like an actual facility with things that you can do there. Uh, And then John Green, I have to give him a shout out for this. So I'd had the kids on my own all weekend, uh, got to the golf club. My kids absolutely love John Green. He's like an amazing club pro. Uh, Anyway, they went in and said to him, they're only eight and six, they went in and said, asked him to, they challenged him to put in competition. Uh, So I sat in the pro shop and minded the pro shop while John went out and played against my kids who played a scramble against him and gave them a shot a hole.
1: Did you make any sales?
0: Well, no, but I did have to deal with a couple of inquiries. Someone came in to pay a green fee. Uh, a member came in, he wanted to know how much credit he had. Uh, someone came in to get some range balls. It was it was quite full on, actually.
1: Could you actually service all of those things? Are you in the wrong job? I mean, I know, like, obviously, you must <laughs> have spent some time in a pro shop behind the, behind the till when you were younger. You yeah, had to, you were a I good work, player. I, work, I worked in a pro shop for a year after I graduated. Yeah, Shade so Range Golf Centre. Did you feel like you'd been transported back 30 years? It's like my dream
0: job. Like that's all I ever wanted to do. Uh anyway, but it was like above above and beyond the Call of Duty. And uh, I sort of needed the respite after uh, thirty six hours flying solo. Anyway, that's probably enough of that. It's subs renewal time.
1: Yeah, just well I think it, as as this podcast hits the airwaves, it'll actually be like last chance saloon, won't it, for people who haven't paid. It'd be like it's pay cool today thing. or else. Uh, my golf club am i allowed to say this i think so um we've got a strict march the 31st deadline this year so um if you haven't paid your playing rights automatically drop the next day i like it no i like i like it i think it's really good i think you know you can't we're going to get into the whys and wherefores of golf club pricing and i have some pretty strident views on this but i think you know if if you if you're you asked to pay by a date pay it by a date
0: yeah yeah so the topic today is um value value of golf club membership is it is it better is it better value for money to be a member of the golf club uh, pay up front, play as much as you want uh, get all the benefits that go with that or is it better to pay as you play in a green fee model uh, and we're going to try and sort of work out which one of those uh, systems suits who better and um, we're going to try and get into the calculations you should be making and type of factors you p- should be considering when you're weighing up whether your golf club membership is is worth the money or whether you'd be better off just paying as you go Um we can have a look at whether we think a membership's good value i know you've got some um some data shall we say from a poll that you've you've had on twitter Um, discuss a few of the um the different types of membership model that are out there and um, so the traditional membership model which we all kind of have grown up with and some of the newer alternatives um, yeah and I guess just kind of have a bit of an in-depth chat into perhaps the type of things that people are mulling over as, as they uh, hover their pen over their checkbook uh, as subs renewal time approaches what do you reckon about these um, about this renewal date? we sort of touched on this before. But I've already paid my subs. I paid mine on the thirty first of December or the thirtieth of December. How many days are there in December? Thirty one. The last day of December. Right.
1: Is that because your that, is, is that because your subs run calendar year? We like
0: Yeah, we have a, we, we have sort of in theory we have a sort of a sort of soft that's a soft deadline, and then you boot it out basically if you don't pay by the end of January
1: yeah i paid my subs at the end of january um our renewal date is actually march the 31st at the, the final renewal date but um the golf club offers small incentives um for members that pay earlier so i think i got like 15 pound on my card um if i paid by the end of january and i think if you paid by the end of february it was like 10 pound um, so there was like a, a small cash incentive to do so and you know i was i was fortunate enough to have the money in my bank account and i thought well might as well get 15 quid so i paid up what is cash rich oh, yeah
0: so uh and did you think about it was it a no-brainer
1: i did think about it um for reasons that um we've gone into on this podcast and which still remain Albeit um, there are some, th- I'm not going to be coy about it. Um, I, I, I've been in a brand new club. I've been there less than 18 months. I've had some growing pains and some settling difficulties. I've found it. I've gone from a place where I was there for a long, long time, as many podcast listeners will know, gone to a brand new place. Demographic is different. Age profile is different. Obviously, the time that I can play golf is different. You know, I was an early morning player. Now I'm a mid-afternoon player, and because of family commitments um, and I haven't settled in as as much as I'd liked. And I will say at this point that the fact that I had to pay the fee up front, we can get into credit schemes later. But the fact that I felt that I had to pay the fee up front, compared with direct debit, as I'd always paid before at a private, mem- a proprietary club. Did make it more of a decision for me. That is an absolute fact, because I thought it made me think at this stage, well, am I going to get value out of this? Am I going to play as much as I think I'm going to? Am I going to settle into the golf club? Am I going to or am I just going to stay at home on a Saturday and Sunday and not bother? And when you're faced with an eleven hundred quid bill uh, or eleven hundred and sixty quid bill, as it was, um, suddenly you think about that pretty you know in a pretty concentrated fashion in a way that I had never done before when it was just however much per month came out of my bank account so I did think about it Tom
0: there's no there's no there's no other real outlay like that is there? in the sort of general run of things I guess a holiday but you could probably pay that in a few chunks um there's not often that you're asked to put your hand in your pocket for that sort of amount of money in one go is there
1: no, the only thing I, can, the only comparable thing I I have is season ticket at the football, um, which again, no, that is is, a good point. which again is something that you can pay in installments. But there's a credit um, relationship to that as well. You know, there's an APR to that. If I if I think about it right again, I have paid that upfront in one go. I'm fortunate um, in that respect. Yeah. Um, so if we
0: if we start if we started off with um, the kind of relationship between the cost of green fees and the and the price of membership that might give us kind of a, a, a starting point, I guess. So you mentioned there uh, that your, your subs are about £1,100. Is that right?
1: Yeah, £1,162, I think.
0: And what what's a green fee?
1: Uh, it depends when you play. Um, I'd have to check this out because I don't know off the top of my head. I think it's around fifty. In in sort of the in sort of peak time I think it's about 50 that's a bargain by the way York's an unbelievable golf course for that money
0: yeah so what what is that in multiple terms so you what's 1100 divided by 50
1: I was never any good at maths Tom it's why that, it's it's yeah. why I'm a wordsmith you got to calculate the hand of you it's 22 you always you always talk about the 15 times relationship don't you so maybe you should explain that to listeners
0: well, I think that is, the, that is the the kind of national average. So that if you take all of the green fees at every club in the country and all of the membership fees at every club in the country, um, the average ratio between a green fee and a membership is 15 times. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting thing to bear in mind. Um, and I think there's obviously clubs that are going to be on different, different ends of that scale. Everything's a spectrum, Steve, isn't it? We're all on it. Yeah. Um, and um, uh I think I guess if you're if it's you're a very private club, you would expect that ratio to be tighter, as in you'd expect the green fee to be higher um in comparison to the membership fees. And that's certainly true at my club where the ratio between the green fee price and the membership price is closer to eleven. Um and we've moved quite a long way in terms of green fees going up. Um, I guess which to try and improve the value of the membership to a certain extent and to try and keep
1: that sort of private members club feel so our fees our fees have gone up tom so i can give you some i can give you some correct numbers our fees have gone up they are 65 pounds on a weekday and 80 pounds on a sunday so that's gonna be a bit closer to the 15 times isn't
0: it i did i did think that sounded a bit low to come into with you so that yeah, if you'd say it's a sixty-five quid number, that's just under seventeen times, which feels a bit a bit closer to it. Mm. I would say that is that is making with um, exceptionally good value from a membership point of view. Are you sure you're not on some sort of discounted youth rate or something?
1: No, I'm on a I'm on a full rate. Uh, it, it's interesting because we'll get on to golf club price, and um, because obviously I've done this little poll, but um, I'm I'm I was ge- I'm genuinely surprised by some of the range of numbers that we see across the country. Yeah.
0: So I guess I don't know where that 15 times number comes from, but I mean, it's not a bad barometer in terms of someone playing once a month plus a bit, is it basically?
1: No, I I think where you get into trouble with this is if you're obviously too cheap and then you can, uh, where that relationship is flawed and where you can then grab green fees at that golf course on, Booking sites and things like that. That's when the relationship gets really gets really skewed, doesn't it? Because if it's actually cheaper for Joe Blogs to or Gene Blogs to, um, you know, go and basically play every time they want for twenty quid by booking on Golf Now or whatever, then there's there's no real reason for them um, to then sign up for membership, is there? If they're not getting if they if they don't want the other benefits that membership provides, of which there are many. Yeah,
0: I think. Yeah, there's obviously um, more, um, more, more to a membership than the sort of cold hard cash um, and and value in that sense. Um, I think we should start this conversation with the cold hard cash though, and mm-hmm. how you might go about making that calculation. So it feels like one thing to look at is when weighing up the value of your membership is actually what is the relationship between what you would pay to play there as a visitor and what you are being asked to pay in subs. And that 15 times is a reasonable barometer. Um, And how often you play is obviously a huge thing, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. Do
0: you know how how often you play or not?
1: Not specifically. Um, I do know that I'm obviously paying far less than I used to. Um, Before my child was born, you know, I would play every Saturday and Sunday without fail, nine o'clock every Saturday and Sunday. I'd play a lot of midweeks as well, you know, especially like this time of year when you can get out of an evening. Um, you know, I'd play the midweek medal. Um, I played a lot of golf. I reckon I was probably playing easily 120 to 150 rounds a year. If you take what, what? I was also... Yeah, yeah, I was playing every weekend, every weekend, Tom, without fail. You know, I was playing easily 120, 130 rounds a year, easily, because I never missed a weekend. I played a lot of midweek, and then I played a lot of golf through work as well. If you remember when I first joined our company, I was playing a lot of golf. Now I think I play, well, I put 20 scores in last year. Um, I think I probably played about 10 to 12. I probably played 30-odd times a year, 30-odd times last year, which some people would still say is a lot of golf, actually. Um, but for me, it's a fraction of the golf I used to play.
0: I, I, you have to be overstating the first
1: one. No, no, I, p- I played every Saturday and Sunday without fail in my early 30s, every Saturday and Sunday. I mean, there had to be, it had to be cataclysmic for me not to play. And I played with the right. same group of people who always played Saturday and Sunday as well. You know we'd have events at Sanburn. We'd have a competition almost every Saturday. We'd have a lot of Sunday comps, even if we didn't have a Sunday comp, we'd do our roll up the winter we had a winter league every Saturday and Sunday It was easily playing hundred rounds a year easily
0: wow, so, there's, so there's, there are some like definitions of this, aren't there like a core golfer I think is someone who's playing um once a month or more um, or I think is it over over thirty rounds a year. Uh, an avid golfer is someone who's playing once a week or
1: not. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I have gone from like basically from obsessively compulsive to poor. <laughs> I'm still <laughs> I'm, I'm still playing a lot more golf than, than a lot of people will. Uh, but the difference between the the old days and now is now you know I didn't play golf at the weekend. Uh, that would that was unheard of. That was absolutely unheard unheard of. Um, I did play nine holes on Friday afternoon, uh, but but I don't. You like you like an alcoholic. You literally
0: like an alcoholic. You're like I haven't had a drink for ages. Oh, actually, I had one Friday night. Oh, and I had a couple on Saturday lunchtime.
1: But, but yeah, the amount of golf that I play now is a fraction compared to what I used to. Which, which does mean that, which does bring in the how often you're going to play. I I know we've got slightly off topic here, but (laughs) going back to going back to the core you know I was used to playing an awful amount of golf this feels to me like I'm playing not a lot of golf even though for most people it'd be god you're playing a lot of golf but that in my mind has then
0: yeah, 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 opened
1: yeah. up the membership um, debate for someone who's playing once a month and has membership for someone who might only be playing once every fortnight and is facing that question about paying the 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 sums become the the, the decision becomes even more important
0: yeah, I mean, but it's an it's an interesting thing, isn't it? And it, what you're describing is basically parenting, right? And um, and it's 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 the reason a lot of people drift away from the game once they have children. So from their mid thirties till their fifties, when their kids are older, and it's exactly that that they they used to have a lot of free time. They used to play a lot. Uh, they used to get value from the membership. They used to get more value from the social side. Spend more time at the golf club, having a few beers, all the rest of it, and then that stops.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, so I think it, it, it does
0: I think... become a value question.
1: I think it goes wider than that tom as well i think it's about motivation as much as um as as much as free time as well i don't have the motivation to go and play necessarily on say a wednesday night or a thursday night because the time that i get with my daughter's limited you know obviously she's at school and she's at um after school club because both me and my wife work um so you know i might have that free time from say half five to seven to go and play nine holes on the evening but i just don't want to do it because i haven't seen her all day
0: yeah yeah i think that's um that's a big thing but i guess if we go back to that 15 times metric you're still gonna at at your club it's 16 17 times you're still going to be comfortably over that barometer so on on literally on on a maths basis you are still getting value yeah um I guess the other the other side of it is what time you play right because obviously the green fee varies and your access to the golf course is going to be limited at certain times if you're not a member so that's quite a big thing isn't it
1: yeah i mean i've found anecdotally that um ever since the golf club boom um as a visitor it's now incredibly difficult to play golf at other people's courses on a saturday and a sunday it's very difficult. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it's difficult. Um, whereas, you know, I used to be able to stroll up a decade ago, pretty much anywhere really outside of the Northwest, um, and be confident that I could sort of pay a green fee and get a game at a particular time. You know, obviously going to late afternoons and maybe very early on Sunday morning and stuff like that, but I'd be confident that you could get a game. Now I'm not so confident anymore at some places because – um Memberships in such a good place, isn't it, at the moment that and and the members that golfers golf clubs have got these days are so incredibly active, in terms of getting the most out of it that it's difficult to get those visitor spot. Difficult balance that for clubs because obviously they rely to a certain extent on visitor revenue as well.
0: Yeah, massively. Yeah. So I think that 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 kind of what if you're if you're someone who is planning to play, um, pretty much weekend only golf, um, then. For a lot of places, you've got little or no choice for to be a member nowadays, just because of that access point. Um, I think age is a factor as well. Like there's, there's kind of quite a bit on age, isn't there? There's like obviously the, the sliding scale of um, fees as you, as you um, get older. The, the fees tend to go up, but also for retired people, they are going to playing an awful lot, aren't they? Like people at the golf club every single day, midweek. Yeah. Um, so that is
1: a big thing, isn't it? absolutely it's i mean i think it's um i think it's a huge uh thing in golf club membership if you look at the generation gap between those who are older players and those who are perhaps our age i think in the younger audience um you probably get enough leeway from various intermediate fees and the sliding scale of of golf club payments going up to 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 make that um less of a question but Um, for us I think specifically for our age group I think the way that we pay our fees the fees that we're asked to pay in relation to um, what everyone else pays and those who might use the golf club far more than you might be able to it's a very interesting question that I mean do you want to tackle that now or do you want to get into it later
0: I think that I think now's as good a time as any I mean it does it does feel like that we are sort of squeezed middle right yeah well I'm going to get.
1: I'm going to get on my soapbox here and because uh, I, I have a bee in my bonnet about this. Look, I, I understand the way that golf clubs charge for membership, um, and I understand why they want that money in up front, um, because it obviously gives them an idea of what their budgets are in relation to their costs, don't they? You know, One of the problems with direct debit is that Um, that money comes in piecemeal and you can have all the contracts you want in place if a golfer decides to cancel their direct direct debit I mean a golf club's really going to take them to court um, to try and get them to fulfill their contracts so direct debit I understand is difficult for for some clubs because you want your money up front you want to understand it Um, but the golf club pricing structure and the way that it's structured certainly favors the demographic of a golf club which is largely older people who play frequently Um, and they're getting tremendous value from that aren't they if you're playing we have a hat at york um not saying it's the same people every every time it probably isn't there's probably a, a spread of people but it's you know it's it's the core of the golf club playing on a monday and a wednesday and a friday they might play on a weekend too so they could be playing three to four times a week they're getting tremendous value For that membership structure aren't they for that payment that they're making whereas we've talked about i've talked about how much i'm playing you might say well you're still playing an awful lot well i'm playing far less than i used to the yield that they're getting from me and from you compared to the yield that they're getting from um their core membership that are playing all the time is obviously substantially different that structure will never be changed because it suits the demographic of the people in which who are taking advantage of it doesn't it you know they're the ones that are gaining from it the most but i don't i've 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 gone a very long way around the houses here to basically say i don't like flat fee golf club membership 1200 pound or whatever it is for everybody i don't like it i think it's fine for the people who play a lot they get a great deal of value out of it but for those people who don't play a lot for those people like us who are in the we are suddenly the squeezed generation at 45 because we're having kids later we haven't got the time to play so we're not playing there's less of an incentive for us to keep our membership because we feel like we're not getting the same value for it um i'd prefer god i'm going to set i'm going to set the internet alight now i i would prefer more progressive schemes of golf club membership oakdale do a fantastic one um which club near me in harrogate where everyone pays 700 quid and then you pay a flat fee per round of five pounds. I really like a scheme like that. I understand why people who play 200 times a year will not like that. I should I should add that that scheme was capped at £1,200, so the most you could pay was £1,200. But it gave an opportunity for people who might not play as much golf to stay connected to the club, feel like they were part of the club, and frankly, not feel like they were being fleeced in the sense that they were getting they they were they had a measure of control over how much they're paid. I'm in favour of point systems for exactly the same reason. Because I think, you know, what? with a flat fee, Tom, and then points, there's a measure of control over how much you spend.
0: So I think there's there's quite a lot to there's quite a lot to that. Um, so if we just go back a couple of steps. So
1: Yeah I splurged it all out, sorry. No,
0: no, no, I don't think you did at all. Um, I think if you get if you go if you go back before the days of flexible membership, and I do want to talk about the Oakdale scheme then you kind of traditional um, fee structure is to give people entering the world of work a soft landing, right? So You'll, you'll have very, very low junior fees, obviously. Um, actually, at Woodley, you can play, if your parents remember, you can play, I think until you're 16 at nothing. Um, and then very low fees. And often, those low fees will be into the sort of, in kind of, antiquated parlance into sort of young professionals right so um up to maybe 27 or even 30 would be on on a slightly lower fee scale with someone who is 30 30 and above and then it stays the same right through to retirement um so i think you're right i think that there is no wonder that the game loses so many people in early middle age or middle age um once children arrive when all of your costs go up, right? So you've all of a sudden got to get a bigger car to throw your kids around it You've got to pay subs for sports clubs. You've got to buy uh, four times more clothes than you used to do. Your food bill goes up. You can only go on holidays in the school holidays, so your flights cost 10 times the money. Everything costs more. Having children is an expensive um, vacation. Um, Yet yeah, there's no latitude in your in your, uh, green, in your golf club subs even though you are obviously going to be paying less because of that and so I think that that is that is a fundamental thing about age time in life will dictate the value you get from your membership and so I think that there must be a smarter way of managing that Um, and I I want to come back to that Oakdale thing um, because I think there's a whole conversation isn't there around flexible memberships and I'd be interested to know if you've got any um, information about how that scheme's landed once it's up and running um, I guess one thing is the, the kind of certainty of the income from the golf club point of view of a, of a traditional model is, is a fair thing isn't it absolutely. Like you can see if they can get 500 people paying that way Like that is an attractive thing isn't it
1: absolutely um, you know it's, it's important from a budgeting point of view um, to know what money's coming in um, I, I as as I pointed out earlier, I personally preferred a direct go- a direct debit system. It was easier for me. Uh, there are reasons why, well known reasons why private members' golf clubs in particular don't offer the same direct debit schemes as a proprietary club can. Um, and as as we said earlier, you know the the the, the problems with direct debit is people cancel them. You know whether whether you whether you put measures in place to try and protect yourself from that or not. So I, I absolutely see the merit of um, flat fee, please pay by this time, or I'm sure there are clubs that probably do it in two installments as well. I, I absolutely see the see the relevance of that. I just think uh, for our generation, our generation specifically, it then becomes it then becomes much easier to say. Do you know what don't fancy it now not probably getting the value that i want from it um maybe i'll come back later on um, but at the moment it doesn't suit me whereas with a more progressive system or a more interesting system um there are ways and means of keeping that member involved people people will say look people people will be screaming at me down the podcast and saying having children is a choice i understand that it absolutely is um you know and should a business be beholden to your life choices well probably not but i think smart ones are because they yeah, understand yeah, yeah, yeah. they understand the the evolution of a of a of a member i i'm not sure whether a lot of golf clubs think like that, though, because of the current demographic of their membership. Now, golf, for whatever people say about it, we're booking the trend. Not many places I go into these days, Tom, and I'm pulling down the average age, um, but I definitely still am in golf. And what's the yeah. average age of a golf club? Remember, I think the last figure I saw from England golf was something like 61. Um, you know, that has, yeah. less, that has gone down a little bit through the pandemic. You know, the pandemic has definitely brought younger people, in, into golf you know as a result of lockdown and so on but you know our our age group in particular is not necessarily primary in a in a in, a, in an organization's thoughts maybe I'm being unfair there but yeah
0: so I think I mean I sort of feel like I ought to just have a like a little note to my children of the future if they ever listen to this podcast to make it clear I do prefer you to golf like all we do is moan about our kids impact on our access to golf um but so the the final thing i think on on this on this kind of the calculation that you should be making is what else can you do at your golf club right so is it just a golf course what else comes with your membership what else do you spend money on in your leisure time and can you do that at your golf club as part of that membership fee? i mean even staff things like practice facilities right if you if you're someone who is inclined to go and um hit balls at a range and you go into the local driving range um and you spend in a five or a seven pound fifty or whatever a basket of balls cost nowadays. And if you're doing that twenty or thirty times a year, that is like a tangible cost. If you can do that at your golf club and you can hit your own golf balls or you can get heavily discounted range balls, that's a
1: value, isn't it? Um uh, uh, well I think I think this is a very interesting time to be having this discussion because I really am interested to see what happens with the new RNA facility in Glasgow at Leitham Hill, um, which could change the game, I think, in terms of golf is fundamentally part of it, but it's not all the be-all and end-all of it. There's an awful lot to do at that facility when it opens later this year that is not golf. Um, and I know Royal Norwich have tried this to a certain extent as well. I'm not sure of the, the, the success that they've had, but certainly I, I, w- I was writing a little bit about Golf It last week uh, for, for something else, and they're talking about sort of, outdoor and indoor golf so different types of golf within the same facility but then a lot of non-golf as well kind of like bike trails and so on so the idea is that the entire family would turn up um and be able to do what they wanted to do within that facility and uh, and do it all together as well certainly when i was at yeah. Sanburn there was a little bit of that um, because obviously there was good practice facilities there there was an absolutely cracking restaurant so a lot of people who had nothing to do with golf came to eat at the restaurant. It's now a hotel on site there. I'm not sure that's quite the same where I am now. It's a bit more of a traditional structure. practice facilities are unbelievable but the the, the Sunday lunch element of it there feels to me to be a bit more formal you know sort of people will not necessarily dress up but it's part of the whole pantheon of right we're, we're going to the golf club for Sunday lunch, and it's brilliant. You know, I see all the tables out there on a the Sunday; place is rammed. Fantastic, serves it serves its marketplace really well. Does what its locality wants. Um, so that's obviously right for that facility. But I am interested to see whether golf its success, if it has success, will actually promote this. Um, come to your golf club for a lot more than just your Sunday lunch and to play golf
0: i think it's an absolutely massive thing i mean golf is is a, hopefully will be um a kind of flagship for this for this kind of thinking Um i think on a very prosaic level like you touched on it there like can you eat at your golf club when you want to eat like that's a, that is a that is a big thing like is it, is it somewhere that you would happily take your friends and family for a meal is it somewhere you can drop into to do a bit of work these are all things that add to the value of the membership and i certainly i use my golf club like that and i was sort of joking earlier about taking my kids up on uh on sunday but that massively worked for my day so we were able to go and continue our day they could have a shower there we could get some food there and then they could do some golf if they weren't able to do that for whatever reason if there was no catering or they weren't allowed because the dress code or whatever that makes that that makes that harder so i think little things like that all all add up I think the golf it thing is obviously that on a bigger scale, and there are there are lots of other examples that are already in place and we we talked before it's like my um favourite topic isn't it is this sort of point about divergence of facilities. We talked about it before in in the context of the impact of w h s and how that might lead to kind of nomadic golf clubs and the kind of rise of society golf and people choosing to be an eye golfer that then have to play their competitive golf at various different places. I think there's another side to that, and that is this kind of divergence of facility. And I don't, I don't mean this critically, but within within three miles of where we're sat in our office in North Leeds, there are six or seven golf clubs offering exactly the same thing. They're offering a golf course, a driving range, a bar, and a snooker table, all of them, and they're all offering a, a very similar membership model. And people are choosing, effectively, based on price, where their friends play or which golf club they prefer. That's it. There's no there's no other variance in in the facilities that are offered. The one that's different is White Ridge, which is Leeds Golf Centre, which is much more of a kind of uh, pay and play leisure facility. And it will succeed because it has a point of difference in its product. So if you look at how things are done in the US, where you have more pre club model, I think that there is a huge argument that says that golf clubs really ought to try and move in that direction obviously these things take cash and it's very easy to sell a podcast and much harder to do in reality. But if you look at something like a Fox Hills in Surrey, where it's got absolutely amazing bar, it's got one of the best gyms I've ever been to and um, it's got kids clubs, it's got tennis courts. It's like the, the fee there I think is probably maybe 50% more than you might pay for a similar standard of golf club. But the value is immense because you just spend your whole life there because it, it's ticking all of the boxes for lots and lots of people in terms of how they live their life nowadays. I always think of the the kind of North Leeds scenario where we've got five or six reasonably prestigious golf clubs, a couple of very prestigious golf clubs, and round the corner there's a David Lloyd gym. So you're you're being asked to pay two and a half grand to go and be a member of David Lloyd that you never go to, then you're being asked to pay the same amount to be a member of the golf brand, a corner that you never go to. It would be amazing if you could just pay three grand for a gym and a golf club that you never go to that would be a lot better and um, so i think the, the sort of divergence of facility to add value to people's memberships in whatever format that
1: is 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 a massive thing yeah i think um I, i'm trying to think of the piece um i apologize if i get this wrong but i think martin slumber said something very similar about this you know a couple of years ago saying that because that, i interviewed him at a golf and health um, event in london um, where I think he said something very similar to this which is that golf clubs had to basically think about divergence of facility you know put a gym on site if you can do it make the place much more than just about golf
0: yeah, it's um a, a huge huge thing
1: yeah I, um, I, I was I was basically like stalling for time there Tom while I found the piece <laughs> I found it um <laughs> Yeah, so he essentially said that uh, he advocated that clubs should change the product they offer to customers, believes that using some of their fitness, uh, some of their space as a fitness area or gym was a surefire way to bring um, different groups of people through the doors. Um, If you Um, don't mind me quoting him he said we've openly said that golf clubs would benefit from being able to use some of their facilities for a fitness area doesn't need to have lots of machines doesn't need to have any machines Um, but things like yoga and pilates and golf clubs being able to offer that to their members and outside people will attract a different group of people into the club and change the product that clubs are offering this is really important to our future our clubs generally offer a one-dimensional product If we want to grow the game and bring new people in we have to change that product offer you're basically parroting him here, Tom, aren't you?
0: Well, he's parroting me. I've been saying it since about 2013. I can remember sitting with David Joy in England having precisely this rant, which is like kind of comes so easily. Um, so is it good value? It depends, right? As in, if you're sat at home, literally looking at the bill in your inbox, wondering Am I going to pay my subs this year? It depends on it, and hopefully we've covered a few things that help you with that calculation. How often do you play? What time, of, what time of day, or what day of the week do you play? How old are you? What else is the golf offering you on top of just the golf? Think about some of those softer benefits that we've just touched on. Is it a place to work? Is it a place to eat? Is it a place to exercise? Is it a place to practice? I think they all fall under kind of spreadsheet calculation of the thing, right? and mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the second thing I, I sort of wanted to touch on is just that you know what what's changed you think well so from when we were when we were growing up when I was growing up like you just were a member of golf club that's just how you did your golf right like it just wasn't really a choice and we have we have mentioned this I think before but if you go back to the early 90s then you had to have a handicap certificate to go and play away golf right you have, like you all of your golf was played at your home club. And the idea of going to play um pay a green fee somewhere else was like really special occasion stuff, right? It was you might be playing it in a in an A team game or a B team game. And they, they were like they were big events, like going somewhere else was a was a big deal, right? And now it's not. That happens all the time. Pretty, yeah. pretty much all, all just doors are open. Um, and obviously things like online tea booking and stuff, and it's improved uh the ease of access that people have to golf courses. Um people still do seem to think that membership has a value. You your Twitter poll seemed to say that, didn't
1: it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want me to go through some of those numbers? I was a bit surprised by them, actually. Um I really so do. Yeah. So I asked people how much they paid for their golf club membership and I had um four different categories, under 900, 900 to twelve hundred, 1200, twelve hundred and one to 1,500 and 1,501 and above. And I, and I think probably to my detriment, I had this idea um, that particularly in the south of England, that golf was massively expensive and maybe it is, um, but, the, but the poll numbers were surprising. It was nearly 800 votes, 778. So decent, you know, decent poll, um, de- decent engagement. Um, just under 34% of people who replied paid under 900 quid for their membership. That next up was 900 to 1200, just over a quarter, 26.7%. 18.3% paid between 1201 and 1500, and 21%, just over 21%, paid 1501. I took two things from that, Paul. The first was um, maybe golf is actually better value than, than, than we think of it to be. Um, people will argue about relative price, but, you know, exclusive use of a club for under 900 quid um go play whenever you want a facility that that, that obviously costs an awful lot to maintain um and to produce and the staffing levels that go with that i actually think that under 900 quid being more than a third of respondents um was pretty pretty good actually I thought it was really really good
0: it's not a mobile phone bill is it no no and um... So yeah, I think that is, that is exceptionally, exceptionally good value. And um, I think the, the kind of soft, the, the softer thing which we've gone before is just this, it's this sense of belonging, isn't it? that You can't really put a price on it. So when you, when you sort of, if you go, if you've done your cold hard calculation, we've all got like, we've all got um, what's the word, heartstrings that. That our golf clubs pull on hmm. so when you're trying to it's something that you want to do i think i think there's an awful lot of desire amongst people to um be a member of the golf club and i think people loathe to give it up because they want to feel like I belong to something it, it's a, it's something that people want to be able to say i'm a member of XX golf club and um, so it's something there's something massive in that and um, that is hugely intangible i'm not i'm not really sure how you define it beyond that
1: yeah uh, the other thing that I, that i thought about from those range of responses and it's i mean it's i mean like a polling company might say there's a definitive range there around 800 votes um the other thing that i that i took from it was there is quite a lot of price point choice obviously i mean like there's no standout winner there you know there's no there's no one saying 50 percent Twelve hundred, to fifteen hundred, or sixty sixty percent, fifteen hundred and one. You know, obviously under nine hundred came out on top, but there's a decent spread across the various price points, isn't there?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that is that is one of the few ways the golf course differentiates themselves isn't it Is is on price, and, and normally that's down to quality of golf course over anything else, I would say. Um, so yeah. I think to people do have a choice about how much they're paying, and I guess it's how much you value what you play on would, would, would largely dictate that. Um, so I think you've probably established that um, there is this sort of desire for people. People do want to be a member of a golf club. And I think it, it probably it's sometimes necessary um, to be a member of a golf club over above paying a green fee. But it just doesn't suit do us, does it? This is the thing. It's this it's this big big chunk of change. Um often this a, a, a kind of bad time of year. Um so we I think we should explore some of these these more flexible membership options um that are out there. So do, should we start with the Oakdale example? Because I think it's a really good one.
1: Yeah, so I found out about this um Playing golf at York actually, um, and a mate of mine there is um, club support officer for England Golf, and he said this is a really interesting membership structure that you want to know about. And it'd been it been in place for a couple of years at that point. So uh, if uh, Oakdale, as as I said earlier, is um is a club in Harrogate, um and um, they used to charge uh, twelve hundred quid for their annual subscription at the start of um COVID. Um, they introduced a new model that lowered that annual subscription for full membership from 1200 to 17 to so 700. And then what happened was that golfers paid five quid each time that they played, and the total cost was capped at um, their traditional 1200 pound level. Now um, I had a chat with the general manager there, James Thomas and he told me that the scheme had been a huge success and the club had actually added more than 300 full-paying members since it was introduced. Some of that will obviously be down to the COVID golf oh. boom that saw a lot of clubs get extra membership. But you 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 know, you would say that the, the scheme was a success. They had a very traditional um, structure. The club had been in some difficulty. They'd always increased their annual subscription previously when they'd lost members. Um, they decided that that wasn't an option for them because they would just they felt that they would just continue to lose members so they brought this in Um, not only did they get more members but they got the average age down so i think it went from 55 to 52 and i think that i i don't know this for a fact but i think that they kept the membership levels the same this year despite obviously cost of living so one of the ideas for doing that was that they thought that they might actually benefit from um floating golfers from elsewhere who were perhaps, you perhaps know, not happy with the um, increases that they'd seen their own, own golf clubs bring in for obviously very valid reasons and wanted to go somewhere else and thought that this would be a better option for them. Now, if I remember rightly, it took a bit of doing in the sense that you have to estimate how many total rounds you're going to have on your golf course from all of your players because every time someone plays you're going to have 5 pounds and i think for the first year or so they found that quite difficult to do um because if you i mean obviously if you if you're running if you're running like a a, a tea sheet, um or if you are you know like a proprietary club would, then i suppose it would be fairly straightforward because you could just have a look at how full your t-shirts were how many people played but if you didn't necessarily have that amount of data then you basically for the first year or two just poking your fingers up at the air and seeing which way the wind goes um and obviously they were losing compared to their um previous structure up to 500 quid for the start which was then obviously recouped as people started playing so I think it took a bit of practice for them to do but you know by any measure they've got more members there the average age is down Their membership is more engaged then it must you must consider it a success
0: so there's, there's a couple of things to that so first of all my my kind of instinct is that I love it because when you think about um other flexible membership schemes like iGoal goal or final goal um where you're effectively um signing up to um a scheme that's out with the kind of club community I can't help but feel that you kind of, you, you feel that and you sort of sense that, that whilst you might be playing most of your golf at one place, you're still not kind of part of the team um, and you still kind of are uh, kind of golfer apart mm. and, you, and you miss that kind of sense of uh, belonging to something. The Oakdale scheme obviously eradicates that because you are a bona fide, paid a member, as everybody else, you're just, I guess, paying the a fee that is more proportionate to the amount of time you play in it also sounds reasonably easy to administer right as in um it's just the same as administering a green fee for, for a non-member um so there's there's a lot to like about it I think I'd be interested to know how it's landed for the club like you now it's been in place for however long it is a couple of years like are they managed to make it stick from a cash flow point of view because mm. I did touch on that earlier is that the kind of the upfront payment model the, the solid chunk of change coming into the club's coffers on a particular day every year makes that cash flow easier to manage if they've had to kind of reduce that um, that upfront payment to 700 pounds from whatever it was you be 1200 pounds before how how out of pocket are they their income must be down from member fees and um, Obviously how it can't be particularly if they have a sort of up ceiling on on how much you pay. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how that's landed. Have they increased the number of overall members?
1: Yeah, I think they. I think I said earlier that they'd um, they'd managed to do it. They managed to put it up by about 300 in total.
0: 300 people, yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a, it's, a, like, it's a big increase, isn't it, out the local golfing landscape? as it take 300 people from elsewhere? Uh, I guess that speaks to how that scheme how that scheme suits people. Um, it'd be, I think it'd be worth sort of digging into that, wouldn't it? Because it's it it should be a case study. If it's, if it's working, it sounds like a a very very kind of best of both worlds model to me. In that it's keeping the cash flow for the club, but it's it's giving the the golfer kind of more proportionate value to their, to their fees.
1: Yeah, I think that I did this in um, some other media because obviously I I, I split. Um, some of the uh, stuff that I did with Oakdale between um, various audiences. I think last year they saw three percent attrition. Or when I talked to them, they'd seen they'd seen three percent attrition in the last year, which is obviously pretty good. Um, you know, that's mm. that's that's really good. Um, they were recruiting on average 1.23 members a week. Obviously, you've got to take that figure over the course of a year rather you can't have 1.23 members obviously um they were forecast to finish the, the the year with 575 which is pretty decent isn't it for a for a golf club that's a pretty healthy yeah. membership figure
0: yeah. yes i guess what we're kind of saying on this podcast is that um we sort of reckon, we think that membership is good value um in the main, and we think there are sort of different pricing price point out for people and we, i think we're saying that we think there's an awful lot of desire to be a golf club member but what we'd like is a slightly more sophisticated and fit for purpose way of paying for that membership without without losing any of that that kind of connection that you feel to, to the club that you've chosen to
1: join. Yeah, I so so, yeah yeah i sort of feel like um the current membership pricing structure within a lot of golf clubs is like blunt force trauma really um you know it's kind of like you over the head with it hey or else or else go somewhere else um i, I know that yeah. um A lot of clubs will say well we offer uh uh, i can't even say we offer um i know there are flexible payment schemes that members who want to spread payments can can take advantage of through third party arrangements i'm very careful i think you have to be very careful about how you describe it don't you but um i have no desire to pay an extra interest fee on top of the golf club payment for the convenience of spreading it over yeah. six months i don't like it I, and that's because that's a purely personal thing that's because i've come from a background of paying for nearly two decades by direct debit and not paying those associated fees so you know like if i wanted to take a loan out to pay for my golf club membership i'd take a loan out do you know what i mean i don't want to take a loan out i'd rather we just found yeah. a better way of of paying and maybe it's not possible because as, as we intimated earlier there are many there, there are some very very clear reasons why um golf club pricing and the way that we pay is the way that it is um i'm not an expert in this tom maybe you know more about it than me but i'm pretty sure that'll be involved um and I'm pretty sure yeah. some arrangements around then, clubs that well, are casks well, would be involved. what I'm saying
0: is that the, these things are out there. Like the Oakdale example is brilliant in terms of like a, a more sophisticated, more thoughtful pricing model. Mm. The RNA and scheme in Glasgow is, is a great example of the provision of more divergent facility offering um, better value and, and more kind of um, what people are asking for, basically, in, yeah. in this day and age.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I do think I that, I, I also think, Tom, to, to finish off, that um, Oakdale took a risk, right? It could have backfired on them. It did not. They took a risk. They they researched it thoroughly, I'm sure, and, and it was a calculated risk, but it was obviously a risk. Um, I, I understand why uh, golf clubs are largely risk-averse in certain respects, um, but I do think in terms of the the way that the the in golf is changing that there will need to be more flexibility there will need to be more innovation and there will need to be more progress in the way that um these things are done because because we pay for everything now through our phones through our app everything is set up for us for, for it to be simple i can't i barely even use cash these days anymore now um, so the whole purpose mm. of paying for things is being made simple it's being made simpler all the time and I think that um sending your sending your uh customers a bill of however much money it is at the start of a year or at the start of March and essentially saying to them pay this or else uh, and pay it in full or else is not a sustainable model it, it's not Fit for modern purpose. However much it may suit the current generation of members, however much it may suit the golf club, I don't think in the future it's going to be how customers want to engage with it, and that means that clubs will have to change them.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good story. So I've been meaning to ask you on a different topic. It was um, it was a really good week weekend style too, wasn't it? Up to Rory Trevell's the uh, previous week. He uh, he drove it phenomenally well, didn't he, including a three hundred and seventy-five yard drive onto the eighteenth on Saturday morning. How did you I did see to that get on this weekend.
1: Uh it's doing okay. Um as you know, Tom, it was um it was hit extensively in the NCG Bowls test, of which you can see some of the reviews um on on our website at nationalclubgolfer.com Um I am I'm getting more the, and more what's
0: ups- the fried egg sandwich count? Has that got from two
1: or not? <laughs> uh we didn't have a fried egg sandwich this week, but I'm still unbeaten. Um I think I'm three okay. for three. He's getting a bit tired of me now. I think I might have to like throw one just to keep him interested. Um if I win too many if I win too many it, sandwiches. It,
0: there's a through in schedule, isn't
1: it? There is. Looking forward to that because I, I am I am genuinely confident about off the tee with this club this year. Not necessarily because it's uh, long; it is long for me. Um, but the misses all seem to be in the same place. Um, I'm a pretty, I'm a bit of a heel hitter. Um, So I'm used to, when I get it out of the heel, just watching balls just swan dive out of the air. And they don't seem to do it with this club. It seems to be a bit more forgiving towards the heel. And the misses are not as wild. It's far-giving,
0: Steve. It's far-giving.
1: Far-giving, yeah, that is Um, is good.
0: You you, you will of course, go for that fitting off your local pro because you are a good golf club member,
1: like the rest of us. I'm a great golf club member. I never moan at all. (laughs)